This episode is supported by Bounty Kitchen, one of my absolute favorite Seattle restaurants. Bounty Kitchen is no joke, an extension of my own kitchen, except that there's so much fresh, local, organic, and tasty stuff on the menu that it takes me forever to decide what I want. The good news is you literally can't go wrong. Check out greens, beans, and grains dishes like the braised beef bowl, or dive into the vegan and dairy-free Marrakesh market bowl, or try one of my personal favorites for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the hot liquor bowl. There are also soups, salads, sandwiches, scrambles, and of course, toast, all infused with the deep love and commitment of founder and co-owner and my friend Meg Trainer and her team. Visit Bounty Kitchen at 7 Boston Street in Seattle's Queen Anne neighborhood or at 801 Lenora Street in Denny Triangle. And check out my interview with Meg on the podcast last year to learn more about her personal health journey and the inspiration behind Bounty Kitchen. I think that's part of the problem too is these things take time. Like listening to yourself, it is like a pain in the butt to like have to take the time to like listen, you know, and you're so busy, like focusing on your health can be like the last thing that you think about because you're like, oh my gosh, I have too much stuff to do today. Like the last person or last thought I'm going to give is to myself. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive coach and lifestyle expert, Lara Dolch. And each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Hey, podcast listeners, quick reminder for you. If you haven't already shared your thoughts in my Women on the Rise listener survey, please take a moment to do that now. Go to laradolch.com slash podcast survey to leave your feedback. It's a big help as I continue to refine the podcast to make it more relevant to your life. So I got to tell you, I am not usually a huge fan of January. It's dark and cold and rainy here in Seattle. But you know, this year has been a little bit different. Something you might not know about me, or maybe you do. I think a lot. Overthink, some might say, and just shush if you're one of those who might say. For a variety of reasons that I won't get into today, I chose surrender as my word of the year. I hit a few too many walls in 2018 from trying to think my way through challenges, so I figure it's time for a new approach. And part of surrendering, for me at least, is following my heart or my intuition at least as much as I follow my head. You might even call it following my curiosity because curiosity, for me at least, is often the way intuition speaks. So I've been doing that for the past few weeks, following my intuition about who to connect with, what to say yes to, what to say no to, when to snuggle in for a movie night, and when to be out in the world. And guess what? I've been having the best January, full of interesting people and experiences, all because I stopped thinking so freaking much. I highly recommend it. One of the side effects of overthinking is immediately discounting the usefulness of things that some might call woo-woo or out there. Things like acupuncture, craniosacral therapy, Chinese medicine, naturopathic medicine, Ayurveda, Reiki, and other less scientifically backed approaches to feeling like our best, healthiest, most authentic selves. But 
thousands of years of collective human wisdom can't always be wrong, right? At least that's what I've come to understand as a former skeptic turned explorer of all things mind-body health. I'm still pretty skeptical, but I've learned to follow my curiosity, try something new, and then use my direct experience with that thing to discern its value to me. Again, I highly recommend it. So today I'm talking to ex-rocket scientist turned massage therapist and my dear friend Kathy Jakowski because she has oodles of wisdom to share about balancing discernment with intuition or head with heart if you prefer and about exploring ways to feel like our best and healthiest selves that may not show up in the latest medical journals but that we know from experience make us feel better. You might remember Kathy from season one of Women on the Rise. She's my very first repeat guest. And a little bit more about Kathy. She specializes in helping clients navigate big life changes through craniosacral therapy and somatic coaching. She founded Shift Massage in 2010 to give go-getters a place to get grounded in the heart of Seattle and expanded to offering personalized individual and family retreats in Hawaii in 2016. She's driven by a joy of sharing the same therapies that helped her manage stress and debilitating anxiety during her time as a corporate road warrior. Apart from bodywork, Kathy offers remote coaching and is active in her local community with Hospice of Kona, Hawaii Island Recovery, and Girl Scouts of Hawaii. She specializes in working with anxiety, TMJD, grief and loss, chronic headaches, and life career transitions. Enjoy my chat with Kathy. She is the best. So Kathy J, I have to say you have the unique distinction of being the first repeat guest on my podcast. Hooray. What an honor. Do I get a tiara? <laughs> yes, I do. I Yeah, women on the rise tiaras. I think we should all have one. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it's so funny. I, I literally, so I was telling you this before we started recording, like, you know, I had on my editorial calendar for, for this week that I wanted to talk about, <laughs> wanted to talk about in defense of woo-woo. And let me, let me, uh, <laughs> okay. Where and you, you were the first person that came to mind, right? And so I, we should define what we mean by woo-woo, of course, but let me just like lay the, the, the foundation here, which is, okay. you know, my interest in having this conversation is like, you know, a lot of our friendship, I think, comes out of our shared appreciation of both cold, hard facts, like mm-hmm. being analytical and, in your case, even scientific-minded, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> less explainable tools for living, you know, an intentional, satisfying life, however you want to frame that. And those mm-hmm. are the things, those, those less explainable things are the things that I would call woo-woo. So things mm-hmm. like... Um, well, I mean, you know, things like astrology, maybe like if you read your horoscope or, you know, Mm -hmm. things like, um, even meditation, although obviously meditation has a lot of scientific research behind it now, finally. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, things that some people might call us hippies for believing in. And even we call ourselves that sometimes and, you know, Mm -hmm. but anyway, so that's, (laughs) that's the conversation I want to have, because I think that, I think that, um, I imagine a lot of my listeners are like us, right? They, they, they are successful, uh, 
analytical people who like to have proof of things. At the same time, there's this curiosity and, and an experience with things where we can't have proof that still mm-hmm. bring value. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this. How do you define woo-woo <laughs> in this well, context? That's a great question. I mean, I think another way to just kind of summarize our experience individually and together is, you know, two East Coasters that were pretty skeptical and they were dropped into like the West coast alternative movement, alternative Mm. wellness movement. I think that was the first time that I really experienced that. It was moving to Seattle from the East coast. And for me, woo was, is something that, like you said, just can't, isn't supported by science yet. I would say like things like meditation, acupuncture, even craniosacral, which I practice, um, there are some trials and funding um, showing the effectiveness of it on different conditions. So so I think that's how I define woo. Yeah. And uh, there's a distinction between woo and practitioners of woo. Um, <laughs> and I think that's where my biggest beef comes is not with woo, yeah. actually, but like any practitioner, you know, I, I really respect practitioners of woo but not proselytizers of woo. And so I think people get so passionate because they've found this thing that works for them. And then they, you know, then they have to say, this is the way to do things. And I think when you're talking about health, you know, anything alternative that focuses at such a personal level, there isn't just one way for that. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm actually really glad you made that distinction because I think part of what, part of what rubs us the wrong way, I think, is, yeah, like the, um, the trappings of some of these modalities, I guess, meaning Mm -hmm. the, the like extreme views that can sometimes show up around them and the people who practice them, Mm -hmm. um, right. Exactly what you're saying. Like, this is the only way to do this. And, you know, if you don't believe in it, then you're crazy or, or whatever. And there's, and also I think the, the whole, like, I hate to keep using the word hippie, but I can't think of anything better. And I don't mean that in a necessarily bad way, but I think for mm-hmm. me that conjures an image of, yeah, just extreme. Right. And I, I, I personally, I'm, I've always been like, I always find a, a middle ground. Do you find that to be true where you've kind of like found this like middle ground between those two extremes? So the extremes being like science backed and then the other extreme being like totally out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I went to massage school, let's say I started in 2006. So that was, geez, 13 years ago now. And when I went, I still had a full-time job as a corporate road warrior. I was doing intellectual property law. I was in technical sales for that. And um, so that was sort of my day. And then at night, I would go into massage school, which was people getting naked on tables, learning anatomy, um, learning how to be present and centered and grounded and listen. Um, and these were really foreign concepts to me. But as I went through school, what I found is, you know, it really depends on what you're looking for. So I found a lot of science and I had a really amazing anatomy teacher um, and kinesiology teacher. And so I really learned to um, step away from my preconceived notions of what a massage therapist should look like or what they should sound like or, you know, what they should wear. Like to me, massage therapists were like crystal waving, like I have to wear purple robes and like, you know, stuff. (laughs) And, um, you know, there, there are huge ranges of, um, massage therapists. And over time I just decided 
you know, and learn what, what my best approach is to serve the people that I serve, which is a hybrid of, it turns out, science and humor and, you know, presence and a lot of, you know, woo practices. Yeah, I guess that's it, right? It's like, it's both of those things. It's not either or. It's, and, and like, recognizing coming to this place where, yeah, initially, initially being skeptical and then having experiences that were, you know, direct experiences with certain things that told us that they were useful. Can you talk about maybe one of those experiences with, with something that you maybe previously were skeptical about and then had, you know, personal experience with and were like, oh, okay, wait, this actually is kind of useful. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess I was skeptical of everything. I was skeptical of yoga, skeptical of massage, skeptical of acupuncture. I was skeptical of like psychotherapy and anything mental health related. Mm. Like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. that. Yeah, I saw it as a huge weakness. And why would anyone need to go talk to anyone? Like I, I came from that background that where mental health was not, you know, it was a weakness if you had a problem. Meanwhile, I struggled with anxiety and depression my entire life. So it was kind of like, ah, you know, it was, a, it was a, definitely a war inside of me of what my personal experience was versus what my family you know, values were, um, were the values given to me by my family around mental health. So I guess my first kind of entrance into woo, um, was through my psychotherapist and it's not even that woo of a concept, but she asked me to sit still for five minutes just to go home, set a timer and sit still for five minutes. At the time, again, I was like global traveling for work. Um, I was constantly on the go And it was like the hardest thing that I had to do and being able to then transfer that I was getting acupuncture once, which was another, you know, so psychotherapy kind of broke me into being still and addressing the mind body connection. Um, And then I moved on to acupuncture and craniosacral therapy. And that was really out there and really uncomfortable for me to sit in stillness with another person you know, holding my head. I thought she was like reading my mind. (laughs) And I was like, oh, she's seeing all the bad things that I think about myself and other people. And she's reading my energy. And But what I found is she wasn't. And also it was really um, relaxing. So after the session, I just felt more calm than I ever had in my body and my mind. And over time, just the cumulative effects of craniosacral therapy and acupuncture were enough proof for me. So kind of like the feeling it was the the healing piece of me or learning how to feel again was proof enough for me. And I didn't feel like I needed to prove it to other people, but it made such a difference in my life that I wanted to, you know, help bring that to other people. Does that make, does that answer your question? You totally did. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 you totally did. And I, and I think what I'm realizing as we're talking Mm-hmm. is that a lot of the stuff that, that, you know, people would consider out there, woo, whatever we're calling it. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is, is related to this connection of mind and body, right. Which is, which is a concept that in the Western world still makes a lot of people uncomfortable or makes them think, well, that's ridiculous. Why would I need to do that? Um, and that seems to be the the barrier, right? It's like any, anything that reeks of mind body connection i think is that's my perception of mm-hmm. what makes people kind of itchy why do you think that is um oh geez that's a big question um <laughs> i could go on i was like i would lend the zone to look at that through 
I think there's a just mental health in general mm. is is a conversation that our country and humans in general are not um, comfortable, you know, having a discussion around mental health. I think we're we're especially American culture. We're kind of raised in this, you know, we can do it. Individual um, conquer any problem, be tough, suck it up kind of space. Um, and I think we have really unrealistic expectations of ourselves and, um, really unfair expectations of ourselves that we're supposed to be all these, these things. And we value, um, strength over weakness and, you know, courage over vulnerability, but really they're the same things. Like we get strength from our weaknesses. We are, brave when we face, you know, our vulnerabilities. And so I think there's kind of a breaking open that has to happen where we individually, you know, are okay, like facing and sitting with those deeper places of ourselves and learning how to articulate them. And then collectively that we can have a productive conversation. Um, I think it's really complicated to sit with emotions and it's, really complicated to have conversations without going into spaces of like blame or shame. So I think it's just a language that we haven't necessarily been raised with or cultivated, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I also, I think related to that is sort of overvaluing the analytical way of things over, overvaluing that over like intuition. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely. Right. I mean, that's, that's something that I, you know, as we've talked about before, that I have struggled with because I'm so, you know, analytical in so many ways and and so left-brained in, in so many ways. And yet I'm drawn to this more right-brained, intuitive sort of side of myself that I know is there and have experienced it being helpful in mm-hmm. all kinds of areas of my life. And yet there's still, you know, as you can hear from, I'm even hesitating talking about it because there, there's discomfort and even like <laughs> going public with, you know, yes, mm-hmm. I sometimes find it useful to actually use tarot cards to access my intuition because I think that there's mm-hmm. a visual prompt that can be helpful, whatever you believe in me about tarot cards, mm-hmm. like whatever. But like, that's a really vulnerable thing to put out there because people are like, okay, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm. and part of my brain is, is having that same judgment about me. But what I'm, what I'm learning is, and it sounds like, you know, you can relate to this is that as you start to explore what you're drawn to, I think that's where you find the tools to create that mind-body integration or to access your intuition or how, whatever you want to call it, right? And there are mm-hmm. lots of different ways to do that. Can you talk about, so craniosacral sounds like that was one tool that you used mm-hmm. to find that integration, psychotherapy, also another one. Are there others that you find helpful in terms of, yeah, integrating mind and body, finding that mm-hmm. more clear and focused and calm place that you talked about? Definitely. I think the, um, probably the most, and I think this is an important distinction too. And it's when I think of woo now, I get kind of offended in some ways, which is like, Oh, I haven't gone too far. But, um, I think the distinction for me is, um, so I've studied a lot of indigenous medicine, traditional medicine with different cultures and different traditions. And those, you know, that mentorship and those ceremonies and that knowledge being passed down is very like sacred to me and is very important. 
And it's also what most people would probably consider woo, but it's very practical is what I found. Like the medicine wheel is very similar. It's almost the same identical to this air force decision-making model. Oh, wow. And That's so, cool. it, yeah, it's like, I think what I, the, the biggest thing I learned from, from those studies and that time of my life was learning how to listen And that extends, you know, starting to listen to other people, you sitting in a traditional talking circle, right? Um, So basically what it is, is you sit in a circle, um, you're all on the same level. So, you know, you're on the flat, there is no hierarchy. And, you know, one person starts talking, they can talk about whatever they want. They can talk however long they want. (laughs) So the, the agreement is that, you know, everything that stays inside the circle stays in the circle, they can talk for as long as they want. So you really have to sit there and listen. And it's interesting to, um, you know, the, the more you keep listening, the more you realize like you aren't alone in your things, you know, the things that you might think are super weird um, mm. about yourself. Most people go through them. So you get self-compassion from that sort of thing. You also learn patience, I think is really important. And so these, you know, alternative practices, like a talking circle, you know, and there are caricatures of it where you have like the talking stick and you have like the hippie with like <laughs> the magical talking stick. And I feel like, you know, a lot of times that's kind of like the bastardization of these practices. Mm-hmm. And sure, they're easy to like make fun of or like make a caricature of. But when you practice them and you're in them, there's just such a realness to it of, you know, understanding the basic very basic tenets of human connection that are undeniable. And um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, again, it's like the, I'm just thinking about listeners who, you know, maybe are curious about certain things, but there's this fear. Yeah. There's this fear of of judgment and, and how to kind of move past that and just have experiences that, you know, that you find helpful. I mean, really, that's all we're in, in search of, right? Like things yeah. that help you, you know, increase your sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you, what, what would you say to someone who is like, sort of like listening to this and thinking, you know, I don't know, I'm kind of curious about some of these things, but there's, I'm afraid. Well, I think, I guess when you're, you know, what, what do you have to lose? <laughs> when you look at any alternative viewpoint, what do you have to lose? If it even starts just by watching YouTube videos or doing research online, you know, we have a, there's nothing to lose with that. I think anytime we consider an alternate viewpoint, you know, a couple of things can happen. We can decide, oh, you know, this is not for me. We can decide like, oh, that's something I do want to explore or, you know, and we can get kind of clear on what our next action steps would be. So I think if people are curious, it's sort of like, well, what do you have to lose? Like, mm-hmm. why not just explore it? You really trust your intuition in terms of finding a practitioner. Like if you do some research and then, you know, you want to say for Reiki, for instance, like I'm really, really picky on like who I will work with on like more subtle modalities like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I would do research. So you might watch and read about Reiki and decide that is not for me. That is crazy. Fine. That's totally cool. You know, then, you know, that's something to check off your list, your woo woo list, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, but if you decide to move forward, then, okay, what's the next logical step, you know, go read reviews of Reiki practitioners, ask a friend, you know, if they've had it. Um, 
I think it's important, like the concept of like sovereignty. So like removing self-judgment um, and not worrying about the judgment of others. You know, I still am in a family of skeptics and like they'll still make fun of me for like doing different things, but I don't really care <laughs> at this point. <laughs> totally. I'm also not trying to like drag them to my sweat lodge. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like we just don't have those conversations and I'm okay with that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not, you know, I really respect their thing. Um, there are places that we can cross over. Like we cross over on massage therapy. They're very um, like anatomically oriented. So, um, you know, treatment massage, medical massage is like a great, conversation that we can have that kind of meets meets in the middle Mm -hmm. yeah totally well and I love what you said about following your your intuition which I would also you know frame as you know your curiosity right like where is your curiosity leading you because that's probably a place that you you know that that is probably what you might find helpful like you know I think you know like acupuncture was something that I I don't I'm Mm. trying to think when I started doing acupuncture. I mean, it was probably when I came back to Seattle seven years ago, roughly, and I had never done it before. And, but I was curious about it. So, and it turns out it's incredibly helpful, um, for, you know, lots of different things, not the least of which is, you know, managing like back pain, which actually that does have some science behind. Um, Mm -hmm. but there are these other side effects that you, that you actually can't anticipate necessarily. And I think, you know, following what you're drawn to is a, is a good way to, to start for sure. Yeah. And also understanding that, um, just because you're drawn to this, I mean, we're being marketed to like crazy. Like I just read an article this morning that, you know, and I don't want to be anti-pharma because I'm not, you know, pharmaceuticals are great. I take pharmaceuticals, but it's just a, in terms of the, um, you know, who gets the most coverage. So like last year, I think it was $60 billion were spent on marketing pharmaceuticals. Like I think it was 20 billion of which was spent, you know, talking with doctors about how to promote different medicines. So, you know, it's alternative because we don't have that much backing against it, you know, apart from it, if we had more money for acupuncture studies, um, you know, what would happen? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, maybe they would find it's not effective, but you know, you're trusting thousands of years of Chinese medicine research and experience. Um, and so I, I think it's important to know like what your, what your lenses, your cultural lenses of what you're looking for, because I think that can lead you to, you know, discount things, but also, and overlook things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and I think I'm just realizing, I mean, I think the bottom line, at least for me is that, you know, I think it's sort of like you were saying, like you're not against pharmaceuticals, right? Like there's a, there's an intersection between Western medicine and, and, you know, I'm going to call it, you know, Eastern medicine for lack of a better uh, umbrella, but alternative practice, however you want to frame that there's an intersection there and, and, and thinking of them as complementary is for me, right. I mean, that's the place where I land because yes, there's absolutely value in modern medicine. Like no one is going to say that. And, you know, if you're terribly ill, like, you know, yep, maybe you should consider some, you know, pharmaceuticals if it's called for, right? Like no one's saying, but, and at the same time, there are other therapies that are worth researching and experiencing if, if you feel like, you know, they're safe or drawn to whatever, whatever that is. And I think where we both kind of land. 
Yeah. And I think it's a mixture of intuition and discernment. So, I mean, I'm sure all of your listeners have a healthy dose of both, (laughs) but they've got that discernment piece. So, you you know, you get that gut check, but then you also bring in that logic piece and that discernment of, you know, is that practitioner in alignment with this or is, is this modality going to be worth my investment of time and money? Um, You know, it's, it's a mix of both of the head and the heart, I think. Yeah. Well, and I also, I especially am drawn to physicians, you know, having, you know, worked with physicians directly in a business Mm -hmm. capacity, you know, I think the ones that I'm most drawn to are the ones who are willing to say, you know, I don't know everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, And who are willing to say, I wasn't taught about nutrition in medical school. I wasn't taught about acupuncture. And I think there's value in that. And those are the um, and on the flip side too, right? You know, you know, naturopathic practitioners or practitioners of other alternative therapies that say, "Yeah, you know what? This is useful." And there's, I don't know it all either. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And I think that um, that honesty is important on both sides um, because I've seen that definitely in my career. Like people working completely outside their scope of practice, I was like, "We were not taught that in Missouri, right?" <laughs> right. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, like auras and whatever, like you cannot, like, we're talking about muscles, you know, we're keeping it at that. That is what we're trained in. And so I think, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Go down. Oh, like, oh, we can go down a rabbit hole about, you know, people out of scope and yeah. the wounded healer and, you know, healing the healer within ourselves and the healer within and without, you know, yeah. there's so many fun things we can talk about. <laughs> I know. I wish we had time to like go down that rabbit hole, but yeah, I, but I think that's right. I mean, I think that it's like you said, it's that, you know, using both intuition and discernment. I I love that because I think that that's ultimately like, as, as this conversation has unfolded, that's really what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And making time for it. I think that's part of the problem too, is these things take time. Like listening to yourself, it is like a pain in the butt to like Mm -hmm. have to take the time to like, listen, you know, and you're so busy, like focusing on your health can be like the last thing that you think about because you're like, oh my gosh, I have too much stuff to do today. Like the last person or last thought I'm going to give is to myself. So it really is a conscious choice, like no matter what path you're on to focus on that health and wellness piece of it. Why do you think that is? Like, what have you noticed when you are able to kind of bring the focus back to that? What changes for you in your life and in your work? Well, I think for me personally, like I'm such a giver, like I love giving. Um, So learning how to receive was really is, I mean, it's a constant for me. That's a constant path. Um, So learning how to receive and and that receiving piece is, you know, giving some of that energy to myself um, and receiving that from myself. Does that make sense? That's sort of circular. No, no, no. It totally totally does. (laughs) I guess what I'm curious about is like, you know, what how do you show up differently when you're, when you're looking after kind of, you know, the mind body health piece of things? For oh, I feel so much better. I'm a total mess. Like if I don't, um, you know, do my practices, like if I don't get out in nature, if I eat improperly, um, I'm just, I'm a mess. Like anxiety is like a constant, you know, this constant drive and this go getterness. So if I don't keep that under control, it will sort of, spiral out of control where I turned into this like 
I, I look at it as like a machine that like literally overheats <laughs> where I'm just kind of going in circles. And so I find I'm actually more productive, like the clearer that my mind is. And so for me, that's going to the beach. That's, and I'm lucky that I'm, you know, I'm within 20 minutes of an awesome beach. Um, it's going yesterday. I felt like I just needed to, um, head to these stones at this retreat center and just take a walk. Um, so before I jumped on the laptop, I, you know, went to do that. Um, so those are all very important, important practices, even like listening to my daily tarot reading video. I love this guy in England. Um, that just kind of helps center me and blank slate my day. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time. Where can people learn more about you and your work? Um, so they can go, so I'm recently in a transformation. So, um, (laughs) they can go to, so I've been in Hawaii and Seattle. Um, and now I'm just Hawaii, which is super exciting. So they can go to shiftmassage.com and click on my name. Um, or they can go to shiftmassage.com slash Hawaii and, um, check it out there. Great. I'll put that in the show notes. Thanks, Kathy J. You're so welcome. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit lardonch.com slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for Women on the Rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit lardonch.com slash podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. It's a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with Ed- help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Music